Today, we complete one year of uptime. Our audio talks have received a warm response from many listeners. But we have one special listener, and that is you. You can help us grow, and that is by sharing. Share this content with your friends and colleagues, helping the knowledge spread. Today, we present to you a special episode where we talk about the ocular changes in pregnancy. Pregnancy is not a disease, but a physiological condition. All the ocular changes are overshoots of these changes. The changes are essentially hormonal, leading to vascular changes, connective tissue changes, immunomodulation and electrolyte changes. Since the range of these changes are vast, we would be doing a quick run through attempting to cover all of them. Starting with the external eye, the first structure is the tear film. The tear film composition is altered. There is more lysozyme and more of lipids in the tears. If the lady is a contact lens user, it makes the lens greasy. The contact lenses will require frequent cleaning. Various researchers have advised shifting to spectacles during this period to prevent dry eye symptoms. With the general decrease in systemic circulation in the third trimester, there will be a generalized decrease in the conjunctival vessels with some granular appearance. The measured corneal curvature increases during the course of pregnancy. The change is attributed to the hormonal changes since similar changes are also seen in women on oral contraceptives. These changes last till the end of breastfeeding. The generalized edema leads to increase in corneal thickness as well. The corneal edema also hampers the corneal sensitivity. So, this makes these women poor candidates for contact lens. In patients with pigmentary glaucoma, there happens to be a decrease in the pigments. The existing pigments are more effectively phagocytosed owing to the upregulation by progesterone. This leads to decrease in the appearance of Krukenberg spindles. The melanocyte-stimulating hormone also contributes to this action. The hormone relaxin leads to a stronger collagen ground substance giving us a more rigid and open sclems canal. This is not the only mechanism leading to decreased IOP in pregnancy. The ocular hypotensive effect of pregnancy is well established. The IOP falls steadily during the course of pregnancy and the effect has been seen to last several months postpartum. The rate of aqueous production is unchanged. However, there is a fall in the episcleral venous pressure and an increase in the facility of outflow. This gives a cumulative effect of lowering of the intraocular pressure. This decrease has been clearly demonstrated by various different methods of tonometry. Although there are many postulates, overall refractive state of the eye rarely changes. Significantly so is the case with visual fields. Pregnancy is one of those rare conditions which decrease the P100 latencies in VEP measurements. 
Till now, we have talked about physiological effects on ocular structures. Let's now dwell into the pathophysiological conditions. One of the most common in this category is pregnancy-induced hypertension. It is a hypertensive disorder characterized by edema and proteinuria, especially in the third trimester. This is known as preeclampsia. Presence of associated seizures with this condition is known as eclampsia. These conditions are more common in patients with pre-existing hypertension. The postulated mechanism is vasospasm due to increased sensitivity to circulating prostaglandins. This mechanism alone is enough to deduce the ocular changes. The mildest changes seen is a reduction in conjunctival vessels owing to vasospasm. In the retina, there can be narrowing of vessels. In a patient with pre-existing hypertension, the vessels are already narrow and sclerotic. This may cause rupture of these vessels, leading to vitreous hemorrhage, more likely in the presence of clotting abnormalities. The constriction of the vessels leads to ischemia of the retina. This ischemia can manifest as nerve fibre infarcts, known as cotton wool spots. The ischemia, if severe, can also lead to formation of neovascularization. The ischemia promotes more compensatory mechanisms, giving us leaky membranes. This causes fluid accumulation in the retinal layers. This fluid can lead to central serous chorioretinopathy or progress to serous retinal detachment. The hemorrhages, serous detachment and edema mostly regress after delivery since the prostaglandin levels fall back to normal. The ischemia affects the optic nerve head as well, manifesting as papilledema, acute ischemic optic neuropathy or optic atrophy. Cortical blindness is a very rare but devastating complication of pregnancy-induced hypertension. The MRI studies have shown features of cerebral edema in pregnancy indicating the same mechanism of vasospasm in cortical blindness. Other less visually significant ocular findings that have been reported include ptosis, midriasis and nystagmus. The eye changes and its severity in cases of eclampsia is indicative of the progression of this condition. Similar vascular changes are seen in the placenta as well. All due to increased prostaglandins and the sensitivity of the vessels to the circulating prostaglandins. The symptoms can be derived from the pathology. The patient complains of blurring of vision with occasional photopsia, scotoma and diplopia. The symptoms may also be the precursor to the seizure activity. In pregnancy, the blood is in a hypocoagulable state and there is venostasis due to hyperdynamic circulation. Blood in stasis has a higher tendency to form clots and here with an add-on hypercoagulable state. Also, various hypercoagulable states which are well compensated otherwise may get unmasked during pregnancy.
eye is an organ with the susceptibility to blocked vessels. This makes pregnancy a risk factor for retinal artery occlusion. Disseminated intravascular coagulopathy is another condition seen in pregnancy. This can lead to extensive choroidal occlusions with leakage at retinal pigment epithelium. These changes are mostly bilateral. Other forms of consumption coagulopathy also demonstrate similar pathologies. Amniotic fluid embolism can also result in DIC and then ocular manifestations. With so much of vascular involvement, one of the conditions which we cannot miss out at any cost is diabetic retinopathy. The childbearing age is generally the age of onset of this condition in many firstly detected diabetics. Many studies have found that diabetic retinopathy worsens with pregnancy. As we mentioned earlier, blood vessels are altered during pregnancy. Add to it the diabetic changes. For a patient who is yet to have retinal manifestations of diabetes, it is generally unlikely to get involved during pregnancy. The vessels are yet to be diabetized to be involved. In patients who are already in non-proliferative diabetic retinopathy, few progress rapidly in pregnancy. However, they regress immediately postpartum. In cases where the condition is proliferative beforehand, the vessels become more regenerative and leaky. However, the ones treated by laser and the other ablative therapy tend to be stable during the course of the disease. With more leaky vessels, macular edema is likely to increase. Also, with narrow vessels, there will be more capillary non-perfusion areas. One of the sudden onset, self-limiting condition seen in pregnant diabetic females is diabetic papillopathy. The appearance mimics papilledema, however, the laterality differentiates them. As we can see, the retinal involvement in pregnancy requires a pre-existing diseased vessels. Body is geared in pregnancy to handle normal blood vessels. This is reinforced by the fact that retinal involvement in gestational diabetes is rare. Dwelling on the side of immunology, there is a generalized immunosuppression in pregnancy. This can directly translate to the effect on pre-existing uveitis. All infectious uveitis tend to flare up. Toxoplasma to be particular. The non-infectious uveitis, on the other hand, go into remission or remain on status quo. Conditions like ankylosing spondylosis, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, sarcoidosis, multiple sclerosis, etc. go into remission since they are immunologically mediated. However, these conditions may relapse immediately postpartum. One condition that is not due to any of the systemic changes in pregnancy is Horner syndrome in the child. One of the most common etiology of congenital Horner syndrome is birth trauma. Another aspect that all practicing ophthalmologists, gynecologists and pharmacists should know is the effect of ocular drugs on pregnancy. All the ocular drugs as a general rule is not safe in pregnancy. 
All the drugs are category C with few exceptions. It is easier to know these exceptions. Just to recapitulate that you already know, in category B, either animal reproduction studies have not demonstrated a fetal risk. In category C, either studies of animals have shown adverse effects on the fetus and there are no controlled studies of women or studies of women and animals are not available. Firstly, there is no category A ophthalmic topical preparations. Brimonidine is the only category B anti-glaucoma drug currently in use. Topical prednisolone is also category B. Few topical antibiotics like erythromycin and polymyxine B are also placed in category B. Also remember, all midriatics are contraindicated in pregnancy. So how do we treat patients with pre-existing ocular conditions when they are pregnant? Let us give you some pearls. Firstly, use minimum pharmacotherapy possible and consider shifting to category B drugs. Secondly, use non-pharmacological means like laser trabeculoplasty for glaucoma. Thirdly, use punctual occlusion and dilute the drug preparation, giving better local effect with least systemic absorption. Fourth, use ointments instead of drops. The eye is a very sensitive and important organ. That's the reason we have a separate speciality dedicated to this organ. The changes that happen even in a physiological condition like pregnancy is vast and this is not exhaustive. With this statement, we reach the end of today's episode. Let us know your feedback on this episode at offthecast at the rate gmail.com. You can subscribe to us on all leading podcast players and do visit our website www.offthecast.com for further updates. We would like to inform you that with your blessings and support, we have been selected to present a talk about Offthecast at the MedicineX Educational Conference at the University of Stanford in the month of April 2017. Do keep your support pouring. Wish you all a very happy new year and a meritorious year ahead. Goodbye and Godspeed.